You're listening to Paddling Adventures Radio. I am your host, Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Specht, as usual. Hello. Have you bought anything new this week, Derek? <laughs> no, I, I haven't bought anything new this week. Has the wife put the hammer down, Derek? <laughs> no, actually, she was okay with the, with the tent purchase. She really liked it. And the stove purchase? I'm not happy with my stove purchase, but she didn't, you know, that was, that was a cheap thing. So she wasn't, didn't have any issue with that. What's wrong with the stove purchase? Uh, I'm really disappointed in, uh, I, I, I boiled two pots of water. It, it boiled really quick. It did a really good job. Uh, it used just minimal amounts of dry wood that I had just in the yard from tree fall over the winter. But I was just really shocked at how tarry and how black and carbonated the, uh, the outside of the pot got. Like there was, it was sticky with almost like the crease that you get in a chimney type thing. So I was, I was very, very disappointed in, uh, in, in that. And I, I, I buy decent pots when I go camping. I, I never cook over an open flame unless I bring a crappy pot just for that. So this Vital Grill stove is, uh, I'm just not happy with, with cooking my over, over it with my decent pots. How much did it cost you? It was $76. I'll give you 25 bucks for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, hey, <laughs> if it's just going to sit there. Well, no, actually, I, my plan is that it's, <laughs> I, I do have a plan. It's going to, I'm going to put it in with the, uh, my zombie apocalypse gear. So I've got a, a bunch of stuff for like the next blackout or the zombie apocalypse <laughs> or, or whatever. Right. You know, I, I've, I've got certain things that I've got tucked Damn away. zombies. <laughs> Okay, well, I'm joking about the zombie apocalypse, <laughs> but, you know, if there is a blackout, it's one of those things that would come in handy. Yeah. So, you had mentioned another stove. Yes, uh, I've been, because I was so disappointed in the Vital Grill, I I was looking around for other potential stoves, because I, I would really like to be able to do a trip without having to rely on bringing white, white gas or whatever. Because my current stoves that are about 15, 20 years old, they're really reaching the end of their life and I haven't been able to find a, another white gas stove that satisfies my needs that I that I'm that works for me. So I'm thinking, well maybe if I can just go to a natural burning stove. And I've seen a lot of just natural like stoves, you throw some twigs and branches in and you cook over it, but again that's gonna cause some blackening. So what I did find is uh, it's called an Enki stove, E-N-K-I. I found it on Kickstarter. And uh, it's about 20 days left on the Kickstarter campaign. So it's I've done a lot of research. I've contacted the manufacturer and asked him questions. And he said it burns at a very, very high efficiency. A lot of air goes into the upper part of the firebox and not the lower part of the firebox. So what you're getting is uh, you're getting a very efficient, clean burn of whatever material is in the stove so that it, uh, you don't get the, he said you're going to get minor blackening, but not what, and he actually was familiar with the Vital Grill stove, and he said you won't get that same amount of blackening, which is what I don't want. I have decent pots. I don't want to blacken all my pots up, you know? Yeah. Well, hopefully it uh, turns out. Now, have you ordered one yet, or you say it's a Kickstarter? It's a Kickstarter campaign. I have uh, tentatively committed to the purchase, and I've got 20 days to cancel the purchase if I decide to go against it. Right. Well, give that one a whirl and... Yeah, we'll see how it goes. If, if things work out, I should have it by June. Alrighty. And nothing else planned to buy? Nah, just, you know, topping out my, uh, my... I'm going through all my first aid kits and stuff like that for the year. It's one of those spring or winter things that I usually do. You know, stuff in your first aid kit stuff always expires. You know, aspirin or other medications or, you know, sunscreen and stuff like that. So I've I'm, I'm been... I've been purchasing stuff for my first aid kit to uh, refresh it for the year. Yeah, the, the sunscreen's a big one. I still, every time summer comes on going on a trip or something, I can still hear my mom, do you got your hat and your sunscreen? Because I burn like crazy. Like I'm one of those people, you stick a hand out the window and yeah, you got a sunburn, <laughs> right? And it's not just a nice tan, it's a, it's a red hot burn. So uh, yeah, you know what? The first aid kits are, are something that... Uh, you should, you should look into. I agree. We should actually do a segment on a future episode to discuss choices and what a lot of people, it took me a few years to get my first aid kit just right. And so it was a lot of questions, a lot of experience, a lot of like, oh, I guess, well, that's not very good or it's something I should always have this or that. So it's, uh, it's something that came with experience for me 
And if there's people out there that are wondering, like, how do I, you know, create the ideal first aid kit for, like, if I, you're just a single day on the water, or if you're on a stand-up paddleboard, or if you should always have some form of first aid kit because there's nothing can ruin a trip quicker than having a, an open wound or a cut or a burn from a campfire and you don't have anything to treat it, so you have to cut your trip short and, and back out on your of your trip. Yeah, and you're... you're on the water for a day kit is not going to be the same as absolutely not as what you, you're taking on a week-long trip mm -hmm. you know so your day trip might be something like you know a, a couple robaca sets some uh some aspirin or some bandages and whatever because you you're in and out quick but a longer trip though you're you're talking you know you might have uh, something that you know Tensor bandages, something you can help splint a leg or mole something. Moleskin. Exactly, moleskin if yep. you get uh, blisters on your feet. Something, because, you know, if you're a couple days in and you're going to be a couple days out, last thing you need is a, a blister that's going to pop and get raw and you can't even walk on it anymore. So you need moleskin or something to stop those hot spots from becoming blisters. Yeah, so, yeah, I think, you know what, we're going to put that in your court. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll do a little bit more research and I'll, I'll break down my own kit and kind of lay it out and get a good idea of, of what people should be adding to a uh, either a single day or a long-term multi-day trip first aid kit. Yeah, because like you, my, my first aid kit, I mean, it changes with, depending on the type of trip I'm doing, but it took me a while to figure out what was what, what, what I needed, what I really mm -hmm. didn't need and stuff like that. And uh, we'll... Uh, Look forward to hear on on that sort of thing. Now, as my uh, house, the only we got a couple things I'm looking at buying. Um, I have a PFD. I bought a, a Coquitat PFD, I guess, two years ago, and really enjoy it. The one I had before that, I don't even know how old it was, <laughs> and that is something I've just chatting with people in general. You say, hey, you know, when did you replace it last? Because, you know, it was expired. And they give you that look like, never really thought of that. Yeah. They, they have a life limit. Yeah. And my, my, my life jacket beforehand was this really, 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 and I can't say really enough, bright orange <laughs> life jacket. One of my canoe tripping friends. Oh, he's, <laughs> he's like, dude, you got to turn that thing down, you know. And my comment to him was, hey. If something goes bad, I'm the only one they're going to see from space. <laughs> You're going to want to be next to me when that happens. Um, but yeah, you know what? We I, I went looking at our, our life jackets that we have, and my wife and my kids, their their jackets, their 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 time to be new ones. Yeah, retire the old ones. Yeah, refresh. It's renew. just something. Yeah, you just never think about really, mm -hmm. and you really should. I mean, they're they're they're. It's a piece a, of gear. And it's it's a, a critical piece of gear yeah. that everybody should wear at all. I, I w always wear my life jacket. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm not a strong swimmer. I've never been a strong swimmer. So I rely on the life jacket to get me out of binds. And, you know, if, even if something simple as uh, you overturn the canoe. And, and I've had it almost happen a couple of times where you just playing around in the water and, and it's like, well, let's flip it and see if we can turn the canoe upright. So you flip it and the canoe flips over on top of you and it's like, oh, that thing could hit me in the head. Yeah. And it doesn't take much for a gunnel to come whacking. If it flips over, whacks you in the head, or your head hits a rock as you fall out of the canoe. And the only thing that's good to keep your head above water when you're unconscious is that uh, life jacket. Yep. And, I mean, like I say, that's I, I got a new one a couple of years ago. And I'll, part of the reason I got a new one is it had pockets for the whistle and, you know, uh, extra emergency gear and stuff like that in case I get, you know, uh, away from camp. And something happens, I've got, you know, the, the fire starter and, and a couple bars well, it's and stuff almost like that, right? Like, and I know with my life jacket, it's almost like, you, and I don't wear one of these fishing vests, but people with fishing vests, you see all the gear hanging off it. Yeah. Well, that's that's my life jacket. I've got a couple pockets, a bunch of clips. So I've, I've clipped on a, 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 uh, I went and bought a really decent scuba diving knife that also is a pair of scissors. I've got that clip right onto the breast yep. of it. I've got a whistle hanging off it. I've got the pockets. I usually put snacks and sunglasses in them. You end up having so much gear, and sometimes I wonder, man, this life jacket's <laughs> getting heavy. Is it going to float anymore? <laughs> but it's, it's and with life jackets, it's such a personal thing with how you gear it up and how you deal with it. It's uh, That's one thing I don't think we could advise people on for life jackets. You really have to look at your own 
And I've seen, I've camped with people and I've looked at their life jacket and it's like, oh, why did you buy that? <laughs> yeah. And, and that's going to be one of our things. I mean, we bought the new Prospector canoe from Swift and uh, I posted a picture and I, you know, I said, I bought my wife a new canoe seat, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and there's a little arrow pointing to the, the, the bow seat. And so, yeah, unfortunately came connected to a canoe. Yeah. So Bought now seat, canoe included. we got a, we got to look at a new, new life jacket for her. And I mean, we got the Osprey solo canoe as well. So you, I mean, our typical, um, day out is the two kids and my wife with the dog in the, the, the big canoe we have, which will now be the prospector and I'm in the Osprey, but the kids love paddling the Osprey solo canoe as well. And, uh, so, you know, we all get out on the water and everybody needs a new life jacket. So that'll be our, our next big purchase. So we'll just head on down to, to Oshawa, to the big sale store that they've got there mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. check out that sort of stuff. And the only other thing right now that I've got on my radar to buy is a new pair of shoes. Because uh, I'll just tell you there, when I first started canoe tripping, I had a pair of open-toed sandals and they were great for in the water. They're great for in the canoe, but on the portages, you would end up getting rocks and sticks and everything stuck in your feet. (laughs) Yes. And there's nothing like being on a portage with a pack on your back, the canoe on your shoulders, and you got to somehow stand on one leg while reaching down and pulling this stick that's just jammed into your foot and pulling it out of your foot. And then walking for the next while. So <laughs> I did some research and I came across uh, my Keens. I think they're the new ports. But they're basically an open sandal yeah. with a toe mm-hmm. cover. So that way you can, you know, the, the sticks bounce off the front. You're not getting them jammed between anything. Yeah, jammed and you're not your bashing toes. your toes off of rocks. So it right. protects your toes. It does. And, and I thought they were great. They were good for the portages. Because before that... To get around, I just sort of skipped a step there, but I started bringing a pair of shoes in the canoe. So when I was in the canoe and in the water, I'd wear the open toe sandals, but coming to a portage, I would change into my shoes. That's a lot of extra work. And then go to the end of the portage, change back into my sandals. And then canoe across the lake, come to a portage, change into my shoes. Oh my God, that just took forever. Yeah, that's... So I, something had to be different. And that's when I, I went, ended up in the Keens. But the problem with the Keens that I found is when you're walking in certain um, areas, uh, different types of terrain, you'll get, if you're in in a pebbly area, you end up with little pebbles Uh, between your foot and the sole. And you can arch your foot and hopefully shake out that little bit of pebbles, but it doesn't always work. There's too much webbing and mesh on a keen shoe and it's the stone will just kind of roll around under your foot constantly. Yeah. uh, Yeah, it's... I've had the same thing happen and you end up stopping to get it out because you can't keep walking with a pebble in there. It's just, it becomes a pain. You need something that's full mesh. Yeah. And you know what? That When you're doing a big portage, I mean, if it's just a quick little thing, whatever you put up with it, but if it's a long portage, not only are, are you fighting the mental um, battle of, you know, I got to keep going. I got all this weight. Yeah. My shoulders are starting to burn or, you know, it's hot. The bugs are bugging me. I'm sweating. My eyes are burning because of sweats in my eye. But now you've got the added battle of, oh my God, there's something in my shoe. It's hurting my foot. I'm, I hate this. <laughs> so, so I did a little bit more research and I'm looking at a pair that are basically the same as the Keens, but they're an all-around mesh. Mm-hmm. So the water goes in and out freely. They dry quickly. They let your, your feet breathe and nothing gets in. Yeah. And I think that's, that's I mean, that's, that's exactly what you want. So I, I, that's, I'm looking at those as well. So between the PFDs and uh, for the wife and kids and uh, the shoes for me, I think that's all I'm really looking at buying right now. I think that's it for on my radar this year anyway. Yeah. Uh, I'm hoping that's it because I can't really afford much more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, comes to a point where you can only spend so much money. Exactly. But uh, yeah, I've been doing a lot of looking on the, the internet and whatnot at that sort of stuff. So we'll see what happens. It's always nice gearing up for a new season. You're, you're, you're thinking of what 
kind of failed you in the previous season like i usually go through i i, I always like to have a nice pair of flip-flops just to let your feet air out and dry after a day so just to walk around the campsite but on the portages like like you were saying with with the sandals and flip-flops i used to just wear a pair of sneakers and Boy, they get so smelly after you know walking through uh, beaver muck and whatever. You can't even take them in your tent at night. Yeah, it's not not an enjoyable thing. No, at all. absolutely not. So it's one of, one of the things that yeah, it is a pleasure for me in the spring is planning for the year and considering what didn't work for you the previous year and and just kind of thinking what can I afford and what I'm going to go out and and uh, make my time on the water a bit more enjoyable. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we'll see. But uh, hopefully, these shoes are exactly what I'm hoping they are, and uh, and let me canoe and portage in comfort. Exactly, <laughs> it's key. It's important. And speaking of canoeing and portaging in comfort, um, not really, but <laughs> no, <laughs> I was sent a video. Uh, we did a segment on one of our shows about three or four shows ago. Uh, Maceo Dean from, uh, Victoria University. Yeah. University of Victoria. Yeah. It's a UBC campus. Yeah. It's on Vancouver Island. She's a professor there. She did a segment on CBC. She was, did an interview. She's written a book and whatnot. Um, she talks about the fact that a lot of us take the canoe as an icon of Canada, a symbol of Canada. And she fully disagrees saying that it should be a symbol of cannoli, cannoli, geez, colonialism, colonialism, <laughs> that's the Italian version, I guess, getting hungry, uh, colonialism. And it's when we're out there paddling, we should be thinking about what happened to the natives. Yes. How we use this as a tool of repression, colonialism, and uh, to, to overcome and take over Canada from the natives that are in. It's a canoe is a tool, and a canoe is something that traditionally in Canada that we use to to advance the frontier. And it's with the with the tundra and the the waters and the rivers. And there's no you can't get across it like with a, a wagon train like they did across the Midwest in the United States. Yeah. So Kevin Callan put out a little quick little video. Um, canoe in Canada culture. And he says that he was asked to go to this meeting and the government wants to use the canoe as an icon and whatnot as part of the 150 years of Canada celebrations. Yeah, so, you know, so I think they're just brainstorming at this point because we're yeah. about a year away from major celebrations for Canada. Yeah, 2017 yes. is, is 150 years for Canada. And one of the things he was saying in this video, half jokingly, was uh, that we should try the canoe instead of the maple leaf on a Canadian flag for a year. So I don't know if he was, he's, we'll keep our, our main flag with the, the stripes and the, the leaf and then maybe have a secondary one. Yeah, I think that's the way to go. Have a secondary yeah. special flag for the Canada 150. But he goes on as, as well saying that, you know, the U.S. had the chuck wagon and horse and we had the canoe. And as, when we did our segment with Miss, uh, about uh, the colonialism and uh, Miss Aodine's, um views on it, that's exactly what I'd said, is we had no other way. It has nothing to do with repression, no. and, you know, and, and oppression, um, all of that. It, it, it was useful. Um, so yeah, you know what, he did this little video and he says, you know, we've, we've got to use the, the canoe and he says it's, um, you know, the experience of, of the canoe is what makes Canada. Exactly. You know, it's one of the big things of Canada. And I like what he said at the end. He says, long live the canoe, mm -hmm. which, yeah, you know what? The more people that I meet that are into the canoeing and that, they've all got the same view. And I, I would like... <laughs> I get I get this vision of of Thunderdome, <laughs> Mad Max Thunderdome, you know, between Kevin Callan and Maceo Dean, two enter, one leaves. Yes. So, and I think you know what? From my own personal views, I think more people would be on the side of Kevin Callan. Absolutely. Saying that, yes. yeah, you know what? The canoe is a Canadian icon, and a uh, it should be part of the celebrations. 
I, I'm not sure what her goal was when she, like, she wrote a book on it and she had the comments that she made in the interview on this, on CBC Radio. And if if I saw those same comments written on the internet, on a bulletin board or on a, in, in a chat group, it would I would consider that her trolling. And so I'm not sure if she's trying to push forward uh, some dialogue, if she's trying to create a dialogue, or if she's just trolling. I'm not sure because it's... I'm still confused by her point of view, and and what she, how she perceives the use of the canoe in Canada historically. Yeah, if you go to like I say, paddlingadventuresradio.com and check out our past episodes, you'll see the one there saying is the canoe a symbol of colonialism, and uh, check that one out. And in the meantime, all I got to say, long live the canoe. Absolutely. You are listening to Paddling Adventures Radio on Reno Viola Outdoors. Do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand? If so, this show's for you. Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. Paddling Adventures Radio. Whether you're close to home or far away, grab a paddle and get on the water. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka and Halliburton. Whitecaps Rollers gonna tip over Middle of the lake and just my luck Clouds moving in and winds picking up No trees, no leaves, no breakers in sight Gonna be a sore back in camp tonight Whitecaps rollers gonna tip over Take the paddle down and square up the shoulders Keep it straight ahead and get a little lower It doesn't matter just where you're going North, south, east, west You're in the right direction If you have a headwind Dig a little more One good thing about the wind today You don't need a map To point the way Whitecaps rollers gonna tip over Dig the paddle down and square up the shoulders Keep it straight ahead and get a little lower It doesn't matter just where you're going North, south, east, west You're in the right direction If you have a headwind
rollers, gonna tip over. Dig the paddle down and square up the shoulders. Keep it straight ahead and get a little lower. It doesn't matter just where you're going. North, south, east, west, you're in the right direction. If you have a headwind. That was Headwind by Jerry Vandiver. You know, I got to say, it's nice to see multimedia um, coming out geared towards paddling, uh, canoes and kayaks and stuff like that. And you can get some songs out there, and that's what he's doing. He's he's singing about paddling. And one of the other things that I, we've saw lately that just came out uh, back in the fall of 2015. Yeah, it first came out about the fall. Yeah, I've seen it a couple times now is a small half hour, or sorry, 45, 43 minute long film called Canoe, Icon of the North. You can check this out. Uh, I think it's what, it was 10 bucks to, to buy it off of mm-hmm. the site. Um, just Google Canoe, Icon of the North, and uh, you'll, you'll find it, no problems. Um, they have some funky dot .tv yeah, suffix MGV. on it so, yeah, or something, something like yes. that but just google canoe icon of the north uh they talk it's it's boat canoeing yes um, it's it's documentary style it's interview documentary style and it's very good it there's a there's a few uh videography scenes that are very well captured then there's some really decent uh interviews with some key players in the paddling community our friend Kevin Callan, who we were just talking about. Correct. Becky Mason. Yes. Who I consider one of the royal family of Canadian canoeing. We had a couple Olympians. Uh, there's a Canadian sprint canoeer, uh, Mark Oldershaw. Yep. And our Olympic medalist, Adam Vancouverden. Yep. And the other guy that's big, I've got his book, is uh, Ted Moores. Yes. The canoe builder from uh, Bear Mountain Boats. Bear Mountain Boats in Peterborough, yep. Ontario. I've got his canoe book and I've got his kayak book. Yeah, I've, I don't have his kayak book, but I've got his canoe uh, building book. And uh, yeah, it's uh, some pretty... There's there's more than uh, just these guys in there. Some other people in there that they interview. And they all talk about the canoeing and, and why people do it, why they do it, and what, what the big draw is about it. Um, they talk about it almost from an... All of them talked about it from a, an emotional and meditative point of view and perspective. And there's some points of view on skills learning and, and you know, it's not something that you can get into overnight. It's in, in our high-paced, fast-paced world of today where you, you download knowledge at an instant from the internet. This is, this is something where you have to spend some time and get familiar with the, the skill of paddling. doesn't matter what the watercraft is. It, it takes some time to build that skill and build that art form of how to move your craft across the water. Yeah, it's not instant gratification like you get from the internet. It's, it takes time. It takes multiple times out on the water, learning to paddle, getting a feel for the boat, the boat and learning how to do things properly. You know, um, I also talk about the significance of the canoe in our culture as Canadians. And, uh, these people that are talking and that they interview in this movie, they're, they're leading authorities, um, in the canoe tripping, the paddling world. Yes, if you know. you're, if anybody's ever going to be interviewed, or everybody's going to discuss paddling and the future or the past, the history, the, the historically and whatever, the the people that they have comprising this documentary, these are the key people. These are the critical people that you would uh, any media source would interview. Yeah, there's one one thing that I took from this is it's something I didn't know. Uh, very beginning of the movie, they talked to um, Hugh Stewart. And he asks, do you know what a canoe man was? Oh, yes, yes. It used to be an actual trade way, way, way back. People would sign up to be a canoe man. And he says, if if you look at the geological surveys of Canada, people would sign up and that's what they would do. They would paddle people in their gear around to do the surveys and 
and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, it was a trade as much as an electrician or a pipe fitter yeah. is today. So it'd be like a an, canoe man, like an early taxi cab driver type thing across the country. Yeah. <laughs> uh, th that was kind of neat. It didn't it? Didn't never never knew that. Yeah, I, it was it was it was new to me too. It was interesting the perspective that uh, these people gave to us throughout the the viewing of this documentary it was very interesting yeah and we go back to what we were discussing earlier with about kevin callan and whatnot um about uh the canoe being the earliest and easiest vehicle for traveling across canada especially with when they relate it to the fur trade but you can put the the canoe in anywhere in canada and paddle across the country who is it that's doing that right now? Mike Ranta. Mike Ranta. He's yep. currently crossing Canada. He's still in British Columbia. Yep. And uh, he's making his way across. He's he, making his way through the mountains right now. But uh, yeah, he he paddled across Canada uh, last year. He's doing it again. And he's this doing year. it again this year. Him and his dog Spitzy. Um, they yeah they paddled across Canada and they're doing it again this year. But that's what they're saying in this movie. Like that's what Canada is. You can. And he was saying only five percent. Of Canada is arable, arable. So where you only can grow your grains and and all that sort of stuff. The rest is all like rock and trees, forests, lake waters. Yes. Like we have limited farmland, but lots of tree land. Yeah. So I mean, the, this really shows you. Yeah, the canoe is definitely a, a Canadian a must um, if you're getting out there to explore. And they talk about the the canoe being part of the Canadian experience. Uh, you know, to paddle in a canoe and especially canoe tripping. You know, Kevin Callan yes. makes that point, says, you know, it's, it's one thing. Everybody around the world comes from the wilderness, uh, you know, and they've had the, the canoe one way or another, some sort of hollowed out tree or whatever. Yes. But going back into the wilderness, not just for a day, but for days, is a truly Canadian experience. He described it from the point of view, he was in Wales and he said, there you can do maybe a day on the water. But in Canada, you can do two days, five days, 20 days into the wilderness. And and we have the roots and, and the real estate to do this, to achieve these epic trip lengths. Yeah, it reminds me of coming out. I, I do an October trip uh, every year. Um, and of course, I've got my lumber jacket on and I'm in the canoe and, and whatnot. And the fall colors are out. And I came out um, Smoke Lake in Algonquin Park one year. And it was the afternoon. It was a really nice day. And when we were coming out of off the water, there was a massive uh, busload of tourists from Japan. And they saw us in, like I say, they, they saw my, my red check lumber jacket. <laughs> they saw my canoe. And I don't know how many people pictures i am now in over in japan <laughs> family photos tourist photos but to them that was canada yes canoeing the lumber jacket the fall colors that's canada yeah you made their day i <laughs> i probably made their entire trip <laughs> but uh you know what just watching this movie um you know, it's, it's some really, really nice movie to watch. Some knowledgeable stuff. It really impresses upon you the the emotion involved in the Canadian experience. The the emotion involved in canoeing and our historical uses of the canoe. Yeah, and the people that do it. It's not just, a, oh, I'm going out to do it. They've got a passion for it. There is passion. You know, and you get the people that are talking who are canoe builders and paddle builders and... Um, painters and and they make their living based around the canoe mm -hmm. there's quite the passion for it you so know they talk about the canoe in in reverent tones in their voice and it's with with respect and you know it's a it's a time-honored tradition in canada and and that's the impression that they're coming across with how like i said before it's an art form it's meditative yeah and uh, like i say listen to becky mason talk about the canoe and what you can do with it and you know not just go in a straight line you can do circles and pivots and you you learn the paddle strokes the prize the draws um it sounded like she was describing ballet on the water well yeah and i mean i've seen that sort of thing as where well where mm -hmm. they're where they're starting to do that and it's really really nice movie to watch and the scenery 
the the scenery was spectacular. It, the videography in this video was it was it was spectacular. Yeah, and I mean I think there's a few places I kind of recognized, but uh, yeah, it's 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 beautiful photography and and uh, and scenery that they they've they've done this in. So if if you get the chance, go to uh, canoe. Was it? Just canoe lost my train icon of the north. Canoe icon of the north. Uh, Google that and uh, go check the movie out. Uh, things like, like I say, ten dollars to to buy it. Yes. And they do have some other videos, like the full videos that they've done with a few of the people. the interview sections. Yes. Um, like when I first bought this, the, it, when it first came out, it was I think I paid like ten bucks or nine fifty or something like that, and it gave me access to the uh, the video online. And but since then they've come out and they've broken down the video chops between back and forth between all the people that were interviewed on camera, and now they have each full segment like thirty minutes each of of the Kevin Callan interview, the Becky Mason interview, Hugh the Stewart, Hugh Stewart Ted interview, Moore's. Ted Moore interview. So, yeah. so they've they've taken some of the larger sections and made it just the interview. So it's. It's very interesting that they've broken it down further into these segments. So if you get a chance, Canoe Icon of the North, Google it and go check it out and uh, give it a watch. It's definitely worth it. You are listening to Paddling Adventures Radio on Reno Viola Outdoors. Do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand? If so, this show's for you. Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m., and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. Paddling Adventures Radio. Whether you're close to home or far away, grab a paddle and get on the water. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka, and Halliburton. We've been talking for the last while about getting out in, into our canoes because it's, you know, spring's here and everybody's itching to get out there. And today we happen to be talking about a couple of videos and the new uh, um, canoe movies and that that are out there as well. So along that lines, I want to talk about Advanced Classic Solo Canoeing with Becky Mason. It's a DVD I got that she put together. And if you're just learning uh, solo canoeing or I mean, even canoeing in general, um, this is definitely a DVD worth getting. Now there's, and I say this one because on a while back, I think back in about 2000, she put out the classic solo canoeing uh, film and it went over the parts of the canoe, uh, the paddles and their parts. Um, she goes through some basic strokes like the front and back sweeps, the J stroke, the forward stroke, the draw, the pry, the C stroke and the brace. And basically just gives an, an overview of paddling. Which, if you are, you know, if you want a refresher, you're an experienced paddler and want a refresher, it's a great DVD to have. If you're new to paddling and you want to check out some of the new um, paddling uh, techniques and stuff, it, it's very good to see the, the classic solo canoeing. Well, she's put out, uh, a couple of years ago, she put out the advanced classic uh, solo canoeing. So for more advanced strokes and stuff. Um, so the classic solo one, the original is on there as an extra. If you buy this other DVD, the new, uh, advanced classic solo canoeing, it, ha it talks about the different types of strokes, the straight steering strokes, the side slip strokes and the pivot strokes. And she goes through all the different types of paddling strokes, um, like the Canadian, the Indian, the Northwoods, the pitch, the com uh, compound. And then there's the sculling draw, the sculling pry, running draw side slip and pry side slip. And then there's the bow draw, uh, the bow pry, the low brace turn, and then a couple others like the box and low circle. 
which I'd never heard of a couple of these until I started watching this DVD and really taught me a few um, new strokes to that, that I've actually been trying out in my canoe. Um, you know, you just take a day and you go out and on the water and practice a couple of these strokes and, uh, um, hopefully be able to, to learn them when you're on canoe trips or, you know, with a group or something, you'll be able to have these new, new paddling strokes in your repertoire that you can, you know, make a, make a better day of it. And one of the things she does say is that you have to learn to do it on both sides. So you can paddle both sides of the canoe. You should learn to be able to learn to paddle forwards as well as paddle backwards. Um, it, it's, I really found it quite interesting and it's only about 45 minutes, not even, just under 45 minutes for the advanced classic. Uh, I'm not sure how long the, the solo one is. And there's some other extras on the DVD, but if you're looking to learn some strokes and how they're done and the, and the, um, parts of the stroke, I definitely give this one a, a look. And now Derek, I know I've lent it to you Yes. and you're going to take a peek at it. Yep. And cause I mean, I'm sure even yourself, you get out on the water and there's, you, you know, the basic strokes. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's, it's a. I've, this here is an opportunity to up your game, whether you're a new paddler or an experienced paddler. There's, uh, or re even refine whatever techniques that you do have. It's it's interesting to go through the video. I've watched it, and uh, it's uh, most of the strokes I I know, but there's a few. It's like there's a few techniques in there that I'm going to try this year, and mostly with it's all about solo canoeing, right? I normally I prefer going with somebody else, but. The, one of the the techniques that she's displaying, it's uh, paddling with the canoe slightly tipped on its side near towards the center. Uh, I normally avoid that because I just find it's hard to control the canoe. But after watching her video and as she goes through the strokes and and more precisely shows you how to maneuver and and paddle the boat, it uh, I hadn't I was doing it wrong, and that's why I wasn't enjoying. Doing the, I usually just uh, take the bow seat and paddle the canoe backwards and and sit on the seat and just paddle side to side. But her techniques is it's you're you're half rolled and you're paddling only on one side. So it uh, it gives me an idea of how I can paddle this way more efficiently. Like I said, I, I was doing it wrong previously and that's why I couldn't control the, the boat that well. But the, she's uh, she shows a lot of techniques and and how to get around, uh, you know, how to do it correctly, properly, and how to better enjoy it, you know, up your game and, and, uh, enjoy being on the water a little bit more solo canoeing. Yeah. When you, when you have your canoe healed over like that, it's, you always feel like you're going, if you're not used to it, you feel like you're going to be going over. It does you. And I've, I've tested it a few times just to see, right. And you know, you go, you're on a campsite for the day. You're just, a, it's a rest day or a play day. And you go out and you roll the canoe, see if you can get it back up, right? And I've, a few times that I've tried this, it's uh, it's it's surprising how far, and it depends on the canoe design too. Right. But uh, my canoe, it's got a fairly flat bottom. So when I do heel it over and do the sole paddle, it uh, it feels, whoa, I'm about to tip over. But uh, when you actually push the limit to see what it takes to tip the canoe, you're actually quite stable when you're uh, canted over at the angle that she displays. Yeah, and one of the, the strokes she shows right at the end is called the low circle. And she said this is more of a, a show-off to impress your friend's stroke. But basically, you've got it healed right over so that, I mean, you're it, it looks like the water is going to be coming in. And she's actually got the paddle underwater, under the canoe, and her hands are in the water. And she's doing this giant circle with the paddle. And it basically is just spinning you on the spot. Yeah, I hadn't seen that one. I didn't get to the end of the video. Yeah, it's, it's right at the end of the video. But you see these, I mean, we talked about that, um, the canoe uh, ballet stuff that they're doing. Yes. And uh, that's one of the things that they do. They lean right over. They got their arms in the water up to their elbows. And this paddle um, doing big circles underneath. And it's just like, you know what? Yeah, at that point, yeah, my fat arse is going right <laughs> overboard. <laughs> Yeah, I'm eating the fishes at that point. <laughs> but uh, there was a couple in here that I, I've tried. And um, when it comes to solo canoeing, uh, 
it really made a difference and and added some more um, control to the canoe, especially the side slip stuff. Uh, the the running draw side slip, you know, you're coming towards something and you need to get over, and all you do is you lean over and you, you got your paddle to the side and it just, it's it's a it's hard to describe. It's easier to see when she does it, but you're basically doing a draw, and your canoe all of a sudden just because you're already got the forward momentum, it does the work for you. And all you do is you basically lean over and draw to the side with your just holding your paddle there, and all of a sudden your canoe just sort of starts side slipping whatever you're going to uh, be hitting, or you know that you're trying I'm to trying get, to avoid trying to avoid. <laughs> but I and I and I guess you can see that for anybody that does white water. If you lean over and try to do a draw to avoid a rock, mm-hmm. same sort of deal, except, you know, you've been paddling fast instead of the water pushing you. Yes. Right? So it's pretty neat the, to see some of these things. And the de- the first one, definitely, if you're looking to get into solo canoeing, and like I say, even just to, to, to learn the J-stroke and uh, what draws and prize are, the classic solo canoeing is a good little video to watch that's on this DVD. And if you go to www.redcanoes.ca, you can find her video along with some of the others, uh, like Bill Mason stuff, um, Path of the Paddle, Paddle to the Sea, Song of the Paddle, Water Walker. They're all there as well. And uh, there's a there's a bunch of stuff about Becky and, and that on this, on her website. But you know what? If you're looking to get somebody a gift or birthday or something's coming up, Father's Day's coming up pretty soon in June. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, this is a, a nice little DVD that you might be wanting to watch. I bought it for myself for Christmas a couple of years back when it first came out, and I've watched it numerous times. And there's always something that you can go out in, the, in your canoe and give it a whirl, you know. So I think, Derek, you need to finish watching <laughs> that. And, uh, yes. I, the, the quick view that I did of it earlier today, it, uh, it, I was surprised at how graceful everything looked when she did all these strokes. And it was also interesting, like I, it's been, I was a teenager when I first took my first few, uh, canoe paddling lessons and, and whatnot. And you forget what strokes are out there. You don't know what they're called anymore, but you're watching the video. It's like, oh. I didn't know it was called that, but I've been doing that for years. Right? Yeah. So it's uh, it's sort of a. Re- I found it an interesting refresher, and I'm going to watch it more slow time again. But it's uh, it, it's the techniques that she displays are, are very good for solo paddling. And again, even if it's not solo paddling, there's all, all many of these techniques are tra- uh, are translatable to dual like paddling with two people in a canoe. Yeah, so you know, yeah, if you're if if you're not going out, there's times when you're on canoe trips and whatnot where you want to just go by yourself in the morning when everybody's still sleeping or something, and these will come in handy. Exactly. So again, go to redcanoes.ca and check out Advanced Classic Solo Canoeing with Becky Mason. I'm sure you will not be disappointed. Upcoming events: the Real Paddling Film Festival is ongoing and may be coming to a location near you. The Real Paddling Film Fest has been occurring since 2006. It is a world tour that has been showcasing the best paddling films from around the world. This world tour screens in more than 120 cities around the world. Some upcoming dates are May 18th in Squamish, BC, May 20th in Duluth, Minnesota, May 21st Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and June 3rd in Huntsville, Ontario. At the Huntsville event, Sean from Paddling Adventures Radio will be there with the hosts of the night, Algonquin Outfitters. Check out realpaddlingfilmfestival.com for times and locations. The 4th Pacific Paddling Symposium is scheduled for May 27th through 29th in Victoria, British Columbia. They call it the Kayak Camp for Adults, where instructors and participants have a chance to learn, connect, and play. It brings together sea kayaking community for an inspiring three-day experience focused on skills, education, leadership, heritage, and safety. Go to pacificpaddlingsymposium.ca. The second annual Boundary Waters Expo is going to be held June 11th through 12th in Cook County, Minnesota, at the Seagull Lake Public Landing on the Gunflint Trail. Featuring speakers, exhibitors, gear demos, and a campfire discussion led by Cliff Jacobson. Go to cookcounty.com for more info. National Paddling Week this year is June 10th through 19th 
National Paddling Week wants to encourage as many Canadians to get into a canoe or kayak or under a board and be counted during this extended week to show our national commitment to the fun, the benefits, and the challenge of paddling. Go to paddleweek.ca, check the website for events near you. And the final event to mention is National Canoe Day in Canada. People and groups across Canada and around the world come together on or around June 26th every year to help celebrate canoeing and paddle sports. This year, how will you be celebrating? You can check out their events page and find groups near your area, or you can participate on your own. They ask that you register at their website to display how many people are participating and how you participate. Go to nationalcanoeday.net. You've been listening to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time.